Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World, episode uh, 46. And uh, I'm your host, as ever, John Jordan. And joining me this week is uh, is Gareth Jenkins. We've not spoken to for for over six months now, Gareth. How, how are things going? Yeah, good. Um, happily working away in, in isolation and silence, I guess. Uh, quiet. Um, but yeah, no, been busy. Um, and yeah, so it has been uh, six months. Gosh. Mm. So you're you're a man of uh, of you're being very modest. Obviously, you're you're a man of many skills, doing many things. Um, not really going to talk about those things because because uh, you're going to be revealing them uh, later in the year. But we're just going to have a general chat um, as as we like to do about the world of of kind of blockchain and blockchain games because you've been around in the space um, as long as anyone, much longer than me. So um, 2019, I guess we kind of saw saw this kind of idea had idea of crypto winter um we've kind of come into crypto spring i guess people still talking about that how, how have you found it in, in in a general sense what's your having seen many of these ups and downs yeah i mean i think that's the best way of of introducing that um there's been lots of those interestingly this is probably the most significant one since blockchain gaming has had any attention so previous big up, upshifts and downshifts in terms of market pricing of bitcoin and related altcoins and crypto and tokens and stuff um most of that predates when blockchain gaming had any real significant attention um and now it's interesting because you've got quite a lot of projects that aren't necessarily that price sensitive at the moment just because there's a lot of people uh, in this sort of pre-launch or about to launch period where you've uh, maybe in the past you would have had people who'd done a, an altcoin or a token offering or something like that that were being hit by um, a market change or shift in price. I, I don't know that that really applies in the same way at the moment. Um, so I think it's less applicable to what most projects are doing because most people are just busily, busily building things. Um, but um, I guess it's had more of an impact than I thought it would have, um, particularly on the blockchain tech side of things. So not just the, the gaming side, but some of the underlying projects. So, you know, layer two stuff, um, side chains, various different projects and initiatives to try and get um, applications, including games, um, running in a viable economic way. Um, I think there's been more attention to price recently as a result of that. Um Interestingly, no one seems to really talk about the relationship between, well, not as much as I would expect, the price relationship between Bitcoin and Ether and things like that, um, and potentially the impact of Ether 2 upcoming, uh, you know, on the horizon. Mm, yeah, it's kind of funny, there's a lot, lot, much more talk about kind of Ethereum 2 and all that kind of Casper sharding, what kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it was almost kind of six months ago, and that was kind of a hot topic. And as you say, it's kind of, I don't know whether, because of things like Loom Network coming in and... It, those those kind of bigger structural changes for Ethereum are seen as less important now, or something. I don't know. Um, it it is odd, isn't it? it does, they're, they're almost separate because I, I'm seeing quite a lot of discussion around um, the the larger technological changes on um, Ether and relate directly related projects. But maybe that's as a result of being or paying more attention to the tech side of it. If you look at the application side of it, where people are either already using um, solutions that kind of work around some of these issues, so you know, Plasma Chain and stuff like that, um, they become less affected by the actual primary uh, public uh, Ethereum network. So you've kind of got this, this bit of a split where there's lots of projects now that actually aren't really currently at least affected too much by what's happening with Ethereum 2. Um, whereas 6, 9, 12 months ago, I think all of that stuff was in a single category, at least for discussion purposes. And I guess we're kind of... Also seeing the uh, a bit more attention now maybe being given to kind of other kind of forthcoming uh, blockchains. I guess we've had uh, kind of Cosmos 
um, being talked about quite a lot. I mean, quite um, from a technical point of view, you'd know a lot more than me about that kind of. But people seem quite interested in in that. And um, I've spoken to actually someone at um, kind of uh, Tendermint um, about kind of where they think how that could kind of impact games going forward. I guess I guess it's sometimes easier to talk about the the, the kind of the, the new technology that actually isn't going to have an impact for maybe a year. <laughs> people like that discussion rather than rather than the kind of actually. Um, the nuts and bolts of what's making things better now. That's interesting, actually. Yeah, I was um, chatting with someone the other day about this, specifically about Cosmos, actually. And it's kind of at a point where you can see how that will solve some problems on on the horizon for for games or applications on blockchain. Um, but the project itself is at a point where it's already relevant. Like you could theoretically be doing some stuff now. And people are, you could make the same uh, argument for things like Polkadot as well, which is a kind of similar, it's different, it's not similar, but they, they solve similar problems. Um, uh, I guess the, the thing with blockchain gaming, though, is that a lot of blockchain gaming projects aren't really looking at that very long term fundamental technology. Uh, issue. Um, I, I, there's myself and a few others that I'm aware of that do, and I think that's possibly just because we've been at it for a while. <laughs> the, uh, when we started, there weren't all of these other options that you could just build directly on top of. Um, so there are some projects that are looking at that sort of long-term horizon and saying, okay, what will the technologies be in a couple of years' time that we'll actually be using? How long are our projects going to take to actually build? And therefore, where, where, where do you align yourself? Is it with the, the cool new things that are on the horizon, or is it what material that you can use right now yeah that's true and I guess the other interesting thing that we don't really talk about um as, as a kind of a, a sector is um i guess well a year ago now we had kind of had the, the launch of kind of um, eos and, and then tron a bit later and just come into a data thing at the moment looking at a lot of kind of data of, of, of these blockchain games and and we haven't really seen much change in terms of the mix on those on those Chains. I mean, we're seeing seeing a bit of, and I know obviously at consensus, um, trauma all over this kind of dare to DeFi and DeFi, the decentralized finance kind of stuff. I know that that's a kind of a big push for them, but actually, really on on EOS as well, they're still very much dominated by gambling apps. Um, it's not, we don't really, we yeah, it's not changed at all, really. Yeah, yeah, we haven't really seen like um, a lot. I mean, it's kind of games gone on to Tron. They've got this Tron Arcade, that's kind of always announcing stuff, but there's not really seen anything that's gained a lot of traction. Um, I don't think on Tron, on EOS, we've got EOS Knights still, but that's actually kind of lost a bit of um, kind of a user base. So so almost like, you know, despite everyone slagging off Ethereum, we've not not really seen anyone do anything with the with the alternatives that are kind of solid and up and running now. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think also because some of those alternatives are quite well funded, it's easy for them to get um, at least some initial uptake when they announce things. Um, so without sort of uh, picking on any project in particular, it's it's pretty straightforward to say, okay, we're going to do this initiative where we're going to give you a bunch of money to, to come and say that you're working on our on our project. Well, they're, they're obviously going to get some people talk about that. Um, the problem is what you'll get is people who are either just coming into the space or people who are only doing it for that reason. Um, and some of those things might materialize into cool projects. That's, that's quite exciting if they do. Um, but if you're if you're on projects that already exist, and I mean, this this goes back to like actual games industry stuff, I've seen this time and time again in the games industry. If you're working on a project and the project's already underway, it doesn't matter how cool the technology is that someone presents you. The, the, like the difficulty of shifting um, the fundamentals, it's very high. And like the, the few times where it happens, you see projects delayed by, you know, it's, it's more than double the project length once they've shifted the technology base so if you're if you're already well well underway on something uh, i mean apart from the most trivial of projects if you're already underway um shifting between these things isn't actually that straightforward 
Um, so you, you, you kind of rely on waiting to see how those things play out. Um, and at the moment, I agree with you, I, I haven't seen anything where I, uh, on some of these other networks where I'd say, okay, that's a really obvious way of doing that there, and that would be a good solution for this type of project. Um, may, maybe that will change. Maybe people are working on cool things behind the scenes, but nothing yet. You know, definitely, I guess guess the big one for, for EOS is, or the big one for, um, maybe I'm, I'm just the only one who bangs on about this is the big one for blockchain games, but um, obviously Blankos um, Block Party is, is, is kind of one that um, I've been building up. Um, it's running on EOS, um, coming out uh, towards the end of the year. Um, I think kind of like kind of autumn, um, and and I guess kind of wax as well is uh, actually quite close. They're migrating their tokens over, aren't they? The ERC twenty tokens yeah. now to their they they're on a um, I, don't know if I guess it's a so, probably a soft fork of EOS, and it's a, it's a, based on the EOS um, blockchain, but it's a cu- kind of custom version of that. So I guess those are two what we'd expect to be quite um, high profile, high volume in terms of user projects um, that we're using EOS. I, I guess maybe EOS is just a, a bit more uh, kind of the onboarding side of it is is a bit harder to organize you have to be a bit kind of more um thoughtful about how you do that i suppose than, than maybe ethereum and tron it's they're far less accessible i think um and not not from a tech perspective i mean i think you could argue about the merits of them all from a different technical perspectives they're all n- none of these options are super straightforward if you're a developer who doesn't have experience of already doing it um but i think what's harder with stuff like tron and eos is that the communities are so um, focused around those specific things that sometimes it's quite hard just to work out where to start with them. Whereas if you're in sort of general Ethereum land, um, there's, there's a huge amount of support from people where if you describe your problem or the things that you're currently dealing with, they'll be able to say, oh, this project had this issue, this is how they solved it, or this technology actually solves that thing, but really you probably want to use this because it's going to be out soon. Or people are just a bit more open to um, solving problems with the, the full breadth of technology available, whereas um, Tron and EOS and, and others as well, but uh, you've mentioned those too, and that they're more relevant from a, a gaming perspective, that they're, they're quite insular in terms of how you use those networks. You've really got to go and figure all of that out for yourself and figure out how to, to get up and running there, like you say. I agree with you on Blanco's though, um, I th- just very quickly on that. I think that's um, it'll be interesting to see how they actually promote that when it comes to launching it. I've kind of followed along with some of the stuff that they've done, and I think they're doing a good job of, of like building up attention and interest and stuff. But it's it's currently hard to tell whether they're actually going to really talk about any of the blockchain aspects of it when they do really launch it. Um, yeah, and and at that point, what is it like? Is is it useful to the blockchain gaming space? Uh, I don't want to say industry because I don't think it is that yet. But this this weird group of people who are doing blockchain gaming is does that help us or not help us? It probably does help us to be honest in some way or another. Yeah, I, I think the impression I get is there's going to be the general kind of messaging marketing is not going to be about blockchain, but obviously within the industry, um, they will have a kind of different message. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll be talking about how they're kind of certainly onboarding and how they're dealing with the. Uh, the majority of people who won't be u- using um, custodial, uh, non-custodial wallets, I suppose um, we should say, um, and how, so how, how that kind of centralized, decentralized thing will go. I mean, I, from what I understand, I've not not spoken to, to the Blankers guys for a while now. Um, they have some very big um, brands <laughs> who, who are going to be involved, and I don't think marketing is not going to be their issue, <laughs> unlike unlike any other blockchain. <laughs> but it's interesting. You know, we are now we are starting to see these. these it's interesting that. Um, talking about brands is we you know we've seen these games like uh you know we've got the formula one game um that's that's due at any time now and, and obviously the um the major league baseball games which are big licenses and they're actually having quite a lot of problems 
um, I think integrating the the blockchain side of things with the kind of anticipation or, or what what a that kind of audience who are just into those those real sports what they would want out of a game whether it's blockchain or not but certainly the blockchain makes it more complex in terms of how they can build products around um around those licenses um so i get blank is a bit different i think it's not kind of a sports license in that way but but i think licenses brands do kind of sometimes the blockchain come with their own unique set of problems um in terms of that they definitely do and i think um i did some uh, advisory work a few years ago um for I guess just traditional games industry entities um primarily ones who had IP relationships with IP holders. Um, and I, I was kind of exploring the idea of using some of the tech I'd worked on on some of these projects or pitching it as a, a an actual project in and of itself and doing partnerships and things like that. Anyway, some of that kind of um, fizzled out. Some of it sort of took a more technical course and some of it just ended up being sort of advisory work. What was interesting with all of that was that most of the time, um, the issue was trying to link those th- things directly together. So taking um, existing IP and franchise holders and blockchain tech directly and trying to attach one to the other for the purposes of a consumer product, i.e. a game or a collectibles project, was actually very difficult because the, the there were technical challenges in terms of integration and there were legal and commercial ones. What you really need is something in the middle, and that's maybe where something like Blanco's could, could do that because they've got a more sort of abstract surface on which to apply these various brands. Um, so that, that could be quite interesting. Um, although having said that, I did become aware the other day of, of one of those projects that I'd advised quite a long time ago um, and spoken to them on and off in a, in a sort of casual fashion afterwards. They're still actually working on some of that stuff. So it, it may surprise us. There might be a bunch of games industry or uh, just general sort of uh, consumer media stuff where people have been doing blockchain stuff for a while and then and then come out and say, okay, here's the thing we've done. Um, I, I know of a, a couple of examples of people where they're taking just some of the tech that's come out of the blockchain space and saying, actually, this is a better way of doing this particular thing that we deal with at, at a service level. Um, but that doesn't really, that's not particularly exciting. It's just, you know, that's technical progress. Hmm. Yeah, and more generally, I mean, it's all sl- slight hearsay, secondhand sort of stuff, but I do know of some pretty high-profile um teams who are apparently working on blockchain stuff i mean it may be um kind of similar thing that but they wouldn't i don't think those teams necessarily you know label themselves as blockchain developing blockchain games but um i think i think as you as you say more broadly and, and it does kind of make sense that um you know why, why would any games company not use some of this stuff when it clearly um has you know can create a lot of value uh, and doesn't need to be financial value but but can create a lot of value to to those audiences um and i think that will be I guess the interesting tipping point is kind of, I guess what we've heard a little bit from some of the banking companies or one that I heard of um, someone was going to talk about, uh, he, he advised, I can't remember which bank company it was, that was one of the big ones. Um, and apparently they had a blockchain kind of um, financial system all ready to go. And he says, so when are you launching it? And they go, well, we're not going to be the first one to launch, but whenever, whenever, whenever one of our competitors launches, we want to be ready to go like to announce ours live the day after they've done it. So it's, it's kind of first penguin yeah. stuff. It's like <laughs> everyone, everyone knows it's coming at some point, but they don't necessarily want to be the one who gets all the, gets all the, um, certainly in the financial world, gets all the kind of regulatory interest <laughs> to begin with. Yeah, I think also, in, I mean, the equivalent to that in the gaming space um, is, and you'll be familiar with this anyway, like bigger gaming companies, um, what you see on the outside as a consumer is these occasional massive releases that are very well marketed and all happen to do quite well. 
Um, what you don't see is that all of the projects inside of those companies that are experimented with, prototyped, and then abandoned, um, and that that can go the full full spectrum from an afternoon's work throwing ideas together uh, in a meeting to projects that can go on for years and then will just be cancelled because some other project stands a better chance of success. Um, so a lot of these blockchain initiatives that happen within companies will just end up falling into that category anyway, not because they're blockchain, just because they weren't the projects that were picked. Um, whereas on the on the opposite end of the spectrum, small independent developers, where they're just working on one project at a time, if they're doing a blockchain game, then that's what they're doing. There isn't really any way around that. So that will succeed or fail. Uh, and then they'll move on to the next mm, thing. Absolutely. So let's go in a bit more detail about um, kind of two, two products um, that have been kind of uh, come to the fore fairly recently, both from the same company. So Gapper Labs, the new um, version, uh, I guess we should say, of uh, Axiom Zen, which is much better name because you never say axioms in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dapper Labs is much better and obviously making a splash at the moment. So we've had um, the Dapper Wallet has come out and also the um, pre-sale of, of Cheese Wizards. So that's kind of two things I think kind of makes sense to talk, talk a little bit about um, in more detail. So um, should we start with Dapper? How, how have you found the uh, Dapper Wallet, a, 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 a true successor to MetaMask? No, definitely not. Um, it's got all of the same UX problems as MetaMask, although some of those are just because of how Chrome extensions run. Uh, that's nothing to do with them. But you know, the, all of those same frustrations are there in terms of how you actually interact with the thing as an extension. So I don't feel like it's really solved any of them. It does seem to have solved some other things, though. Like the if you are completely new to all of this, and it's very difficult. To, for, for us to sort of put ourselves in this position because we're we've been dealing with these things for a while. If you're completely new to this, I suspect the onboarding experience for someone who just wanted to play around with some blockchain game uh, would be much better using the Dapper Wallet. I mean, it seems to solve that problem. Um, I think they could be a bit more open about what they're doing with the sign-in stuff. Um, like, it's not really actually clear what's happening when you create an account. Um, even if you know what's going on behind the scenes, it's not that clear what's happening. Um, so that, that they could be clearer on that. Um, I think the, the biggest frustration I've got with it, um, and it's also probably its, it's, it's biggest um, plus at the moment, is that they, they're going down a route of focusing attention on a couple of relatively centralized things. So, pro, so for example, providing support for paying fees. They don't really say how that works. It's, it works because the, the actual game developers are, are back-ending that and effectively subsidizing the payments. Um, but that puts it in a weird position where if you unless those projects really support that, that's not going to happen. So you, you use the Dapper wallet, you go to some new project, that that infrastructure isn't going to be there. And then you're kind of back in, at square one of trying to have, having to understand why, why you need to pay these fees. Um, but yeah, that, it'll be interesting to see how um, how it improves over time. I mean, if you take MetaMask as, a, as an equivalent, which is, I guess, the closest equivalent we've got, um, although it's still not ideal, it's substantially better than it was um, at various points in the past. So with a couple of iterations, I think this could actually be quite cool. Um, I, I personally I find it a little hard because I can't really manage it in the same way that I can MetaMask. So I can't switch between accounts and import things and stuff like that. But th those are features that they're not, I don't think they're really trying to solve those problems and I'm sure they'll add them over time anyway. Yeah, no, it is. I think... We are probably exactly the wrong audience. So I, I had actually have to say I had loads of problems with it. Um, so I created an account, um, and then and then because I didn't really know how to do this this toggling between extensions, which which I had to basically I emailed them and, and tell them I had this problem. They just said, "Well, this is how you do it in Chrome. Just you toggle between them." So I I I'd, um, 
I created an account, then I removed it from my from my Chrome extensions, and then I put it back again, and then I couldn't log in um, because for some reason it said it said I I can't remember exactly, but it was I had to reactivate it, and I hadn't downloaded my recovery pack thing. So basically, the wallet I created, luckily, I didn't have anything in it. The first wallet I created, basically, I can't access anymore. So I then created another one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly um, the kind of thing that you don't want for a, I know. For a blockchain wallet. Yeah, I mean, that would be the experience of someone who's already using MetaMask. So um, so if someone just came into it, I can kind of see how it is, is much clearer just to have a password and a... Um, yeah, the, the kind of user user email and a password. Um, but then I, I was kind of surprised that you really do... Because one good thing about like a like a blockchain wallet um, is it does force you to go through, write down these, you know, it might seem ridiculous, but you write down these 12 words. You do really understand that, you know, it does pretty much all these wallets say, if you don't have these 12 words, you've lost it all, you know. And with Dapper, it kind of didn't force you to download the recovery kit, which it kind of should do. Because if you don't have the recovery kit, then you... Yeah, I, you're a bit screwed, yeah. Yeah, so I thought it was a bit odd. And it just actually seemed to me, because I mean, you know, it's probably the same as you, in the, in the mindset now just... Is how, is how blockchain wallets work. They act, it was just because it was different. It kind of threw me, and still does. I kind of, you know, it's it's in a way it seems less intuitive now. But that's just you know, we, as you say, we're the wrong kind of people. But I am now literally every every session I do, I've got, I've started playing some games on the Dapper wallet and some on MetaMask. I'm always switching between them, and now I've got half my crypto kit is in one and half in the other. And it, <laughs> there is actually a thing you can do. Where it's sent an email saying, do you want to basically do you want to move all your crypto kits from MetaMask to, to Dapper? Um, and they would pay the gas on it, um, but I was just kind of like, one can I be bothered? And two, supposing it does go wrong, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm transferring twenty five crypto kitties. I, I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't. Obviously, it's, yeah, you don't lose it, lose it. Um, but um, but I just got like, oh, I can't be bothered, <laughs> which is a shame, really, because I do think you know, I think yeah, you, you can kind of see as you say what kind of what they're trying to do. And and if, if MetaMask didn't exist, you go dapper. This is brilliant. Um, I think it's interesting as well what they kind of looking to do i think with interoperability i mean i think that's the next step and, and almost having dapper wallet is almost like a discovery mechanic aren't they so yeah which seems to be i mean that's happened plenty of times before with uh games specifically and then you know other consumer apps but i i do appreciate that they're doing what they're doing i think it, we could really do with a couple more um, of these types of things the problem is that the more of them you get the more it highlights the the problems with them and that the experience you've just described of like switching between them and stuff that's quite hard the, the other thing that's that's interesting and I, I guess this mostly comes through sort of being involved in various different uh projects inside and outside of the of the gaming space um increasingly now people use their their, their desktop browsers in in weird and wonderful ways so things like people using the privacy mode on their browser for example that's a very common use case now i saw some stats on that a little while ago that um i think firefox have put out when they made their big shift recently between versions um there's a, a substantial number of people who use those features on a regular basis um I happen to use that stuff all the time because I work on lots of different projects. I've got lots of different browsers open. I use different sessions for different things. Um, these kind of um, session um, session slash, uh, I guess, how, how would you call it? Like this, I, this focus on concentrating on a, a single computer, a single person in a single browser in a single session, it doesn't actually really stand up that well. Um, and if there aren't the tools there to deal with that, um, you, you quickly get tripped up. Um, I think for me, the other point I'd make, and you, you kind of touched on this, is it feels a bit experimental, but it doesn't allow me to experiment. So it's very hard to 
to recreate accounts and move between things. And it doesn't, I might be wrong about this, it doesn't appear to have any support for connecting to a test network, at least not with the standard extension. Oh, true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is odd because a lot of blockchain game projects run on a test network for quite a long period of time before they shift over. A lot of them run on both so that you can do different things in different places. Good point, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess the, the whole thing is if you're trying to make something blockchain more accessible and you, you basically uh, have to, you know, potentially lose features to make it kind of clearer. So I guess, you know, that I, I think knowing a little bit, having heard some talks from people at, 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 at Dapper Labs, they are very focused on UX and spend a lot of time doing that. So I think, they may not have made the decisions that we would have made, but I think probably they've had long discussions about the decisions that they have made and know why they've made them, which I guess is yeah, probably the important. Which is better than, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that they're doing it. I'm not doing yeah. this. Um, and there's a good reason why I'm not doing it. It's a, it's a hard problem that doesn't have an obvious solution. Um, I think also it comes on to, um, and we've chatted about this before, um, it comes on to the, the difference between the, the, the projects that you're using it for. So the, there's a big difference between somebody who wants to use something like Dapper or, or MetaMask or whatever it is um, to, to play around and experiment with a couple of NFT-based sort of casual games, it, it, you really want that there's very little that you want to have to do to be able to just jump in and out of these things, uh, buy some NFTs in one place, trade them somewhere else, experiment with them, uh, some casual game. It's a big difference between that and incorporating something like a uh, uh, even if it's non-custodial or semi-custodial in the case of Dapper, incorporating that into a much larger game where the blockchain aspect only represents the ownership part and then you've got all of these other interfaces and systems that you've got to use. They don't really, they're a completely different set of problems. Um, but you've at the moment, we're sort of grouping everybody together in the same category and we don't really have very many of those much bigger projects yet. So it'll be interesting to see how these things stand up when, when that does happen. Uh, I know when we, when we did the early Deckbound Heroes card stuff, um, we put a huge amount of effort into getting a single sign-on thing that worked where people could either come through the route of having the cards or not having the cards. Uh, they could sign in, in or out of Steam, um, and they could do all of these like redeem things where you could you could buy cards in Steam, you could buy them outside of Steam, you could buy them with crypto and not with crypto. And we wanted it so that you could buy them as the first interaction, and that caused so many problems. <laughs> like we, we shouldn't, we we could have made our lives a lot easier by saying, okay, you're going to go through this account process first, and then add these things to it afterwards. Um, so the amount of effort that we put into just building the, all these different routes in, and that was just for one game. So we, when you kind of gen, try and generalize that um, and make it simple, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder. Um, and uh, in, in in a similar vein, perhaps. Um, thinking about decisions and what we would have done um cheese wizards so <laughs> cheese wizards has been the uh had its kind of well, pre-sales ending in um i guess tomorrow or today is it i guess yeah today um, i think yeah runs for a week um so cheese wizards is exactly what um i didn't think uh dapper labs were going to do as a follow-up to <laughs> crypto kit maybe that's wrong thinking maybe it's not really you shouldn't really see it as a follow-up to crypto kit is what, what have you made of, of cheese wizards at least the um, the pre-sale and what we've learned um yeah i guess sim- similar thoughts i mean i hadn't put that much effort into thinking what will they do next um i had put some effort into observing the fact that they needed to do something next and there's a couple of comments they've made at, at various points over the last year or so where it was clear that there was some internal anxiety about making sure that something did happen this is definitely not what i expected um and i'm, I'm kind of like weirdly impressed but at the same time just not interested personally 
Like it, it just doesn't do very much for me um, because there's not really any depth to it from a systems perspective. It's just a, a means by which you can buy things and hopefully win. Um, it's it looks a bit like a skills based lottery, um, but with this kind of cool presentation and naming and mm. stuff. I was kind of surprised the the art, the actual characters, the actual wizards. I haven't, I haven't bought any, I should say, but they, they don't actually look very interesting at all. Which is, I mean. In in a way that I thought, you know, I call the crypto kitties. I kind of have described them as kind of like ugly beautiful. I mean, they they're very distinctive. They're not they're not kind of pretty cute, but equally they they do have something to them. Um, the cheese wizards. I mean, obviously, I guess because it is much more of a a kind of core audience that they're aiming at. Basically, aiming at people with a lot of uh, money who are interested in crypto. Um, that seems to be the, the audience that maybe doesn't matter in the same way, but it. It did seem to be if you kind of come up with something quite as wacky as Cheese Wizards, that to me the actual characters are not are kind of quite generic, really. Um, <laughs> which is kind of that's, that's that's an interesting point. Actually, I hadn't thought about it that way around. Like the art style is distinctive, which is important because it kind of recognises it from a mile off, and it it fits all with the name and all that kind of stuff. It's got a weird kind of quirkiness to it. But you're right; there isn't really anything interesting about the actual characters. Um, which is seems odd coming from them because um, the crypto kitty stuff, I I think largely succeeded because of what those things look like. I think it's it, it's hard to find a person who isn't impressed by some crypto kitty or another. And even even the kind of the worst crypto kitty, um, in terms of kind of whatever you know, its generation or its kind of breeding speed or anything like that, you know, looks interesting. So they they can they can for a certain audience, and for me for a long time, I've only really got into breeding some stuff recently. Is the what they looked like was kind of the, the point for me. Um, giving them a name it was kind of the point. It didn't really matter what the, what the value was. Um, obviously, with the cheese wizards, the other thing with the thing with cheese wizards is I can understand that um, the driver to have like a prize pool is 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 big because obviously that's how, how all the gambling games work. Um, but I was kind of surprised that a company that is has gone so broadly um, and built up kind of strong community has gone effectively down this kind of winner takes all. You know, whatever it is now, a 450th prize pot. I mean, I think they, you, some of it is spread out. Um, but it is quite a, um, and I don't mean this in the wrong sense, but it's quite an aggressive uh, kind of monetization strategy. It is. It's, it's, a, it's a little odd. Because um, if it was, if that wasn't there, I'd probably be more interested. But when I see, so, when I see something like that, maybe this is just because I've got, seen so many casual games that do these types of things and blockchain game spaces mostly filled with these types of projects. When I see something like that, all I'm doing when I'm reading about how it works or experimenting with it is thinking about, okay, how is it that this has been presented as a way to just get away with a, a prize pool at the end of the day? Like there's nothing interesting there if that's ultimately the value you get out of it. And if you take that away, there's probably some cool stuff there that you could do anyway. Um, I don't know. There's, there's other examples that do it differently, though. So like uh, uh, CryptoGoo, for example, um, I think we've spoken about this before briefly at some point. Um, that's quite interesting because it doesn't attempt to uh, say you're going to be able to, to win a big prize pool or you're going to be able to get to this point where you beat everybody else. But every single individual mechanic in that game is just about making one number or another number go up. <laughs> um, and it it's kind of... It, I don't know. It's a, it's a idle clicker game, I suppose. There's you know, there's plenty of those. It doesn't feel as uh, obvious in that. It's not. It's not as aggressive as what it appears to come across with, as in the, in the cheese wizards thing. But it does seem to be. I was having a. Um, I was putting out some numbers. It was kind of interesting. You, could, you someone put together a website. I guess was scraping all the data, and there were 
so you could look at how many how many wallets. I think there were seven hundred wallets at that point, um, and obviously like over four hundred of them only had one cheese wizard in. But then it was basically you're looking at how many how many cheese wizards they had in the wallet and the power of the cheese wizard. Um, but the ones that the, there was like a general distribution as you'd expect, but the two top ones were I mean miles ahead of in terms of the power of the cheese wizard accumulate. You know all the cheese wizards they had, and I think one of them had over a hundred cheese wizards, and one had forty five. And, and with that, uh, I think there are some more interesting mechanics than, than ha- you know, having some Twitter discussions with people in the team seem to be suggesting there was more skill than I was suggesting. Um, but I couldn't really see how you would beat these people who just had accumulated <laughs> all these cheese wizards um, and, and presumably you know, the most powerful ones. It's all, that's always going to be the case with a winner-takes-all type tournament, though, isn't it? Like there's, you're, most people are always going to feel like they can't take all. Yeah, know, maybe maybe the maybe the psychology is just different. It's also odd. I mean, I don't know whether they've really pitched it as a blockchain game. They've just put, put, pitched it as a thing. Mm. Um, I think other people have used the word game more often than they have. But um, to a gaming audience, something like that generally isn't appealing. Like you don't, you specifically don't want a situation where it looks like when it takes all. There are very few successful video games that work like that. I guess I mean, Battle Royale, I guess, is the interesting one, isn't it? Where I mean, I, I don't really, you know, I don't play Fortnite or, or, or PUBG or anything like that. But um, that's been interesting. They, they've there is a winner, winner takes all. Obviously, um, you know, most people have played those games and never won. But there is an interesting, you know, the speed of, of creating those, recreating those tournaments. Um, yeah, that's the. It, it's different because it's it, it it makes you feel like you could always. It solves the problem. I think battle battle royale games solve the problem of a winner takes all by saying, well, if you didn't win this time, you can win again the next time. Play again. Um, it's almost like a casino slots or something like that. It's um, it, it kind of addressed that issue of everybody wants to be able to do that, but you also don't want to feel like you can't. Um, I wonder whether anyone's ever produced any data for what the distribution of, of winners is, um, as in how often how often do people who aren't actually very good get to that point. There's, there's other games, um, other, sorry, I said other games, I was going to make reference to Fortnite, and then I didn't say it. Um, but if you take the spectrum of Battle Royale games, there are some that actually sort of internally address that mechanic. So um, Apex, for example, is it Apex Legends, is that what it's called? Um, the squad system in that actually massively increases your chance of being on a winning team, such that if you play for long enough, statistically, you will win a game. Whereas something like Fortnite, um, you actually do have to have some element of skill yourself to be able to get to the end of the game. You know, you're not going to win by accident, basically. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Well, I guess I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, it does, it does strike me um, that yeah, there is a, there is a a bit more to to cheese wizard than, than perhaps we're giving it credit. But until the game, and the game's actually not there's not a very clear release date, is it? I mean, it's kind of one of these ones where the, the pre sale is quite early. And- it, it, that frustrates me as well. I mean, it's it's always hard to get these things right when you when you're promoting them. But that that stuff is frustrating. I actually looked again this morning before we spoke because I suspected it would come up, and there's some. There's obvious gaps in terms of what they've presented, um, and to be honest, if it wasn't from um, the people who've done Crypto Kitties, it would it would raise some serious flags. Like there's a couple of projects that I was uh, quite impressed with last year. Um, one of them was a, a narrative thing, which I can't remember the name of now. Um, maybe it's better that I can't. Um, that I bought some NFTs in, um, and they got some pretty cool art and stuff like that. And they 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 did have a release date, and they kind of got the release date, and it started. But as soon as it was about to start, it became very apparent that the thing that they described throughout that was going to be there wasn't going to be there. And 
I started to do some digging on the smart contract and discovered that yes, there were a couple of people who would obviously come out of this in a in a different position from everybody else. And if you dug far enough, they were the same people who were receiving the funds from everybody else. And I felt like a bit of an idiot for doing it, but at the same time, I, like, I didn't spend a lot of money on it. It was not a huge amount, and I, I like to kind of experiment with new things and support other people in the industry. But they had put a lot of effort into what it looked like. It looked quite impressive. It was it was it wasn't just another CryptoKitties clone, which there was loads of at the time. Um, uh, but clearly it was, I don't know whether it set out to be a scam or whether it just ended up being one. Um, it, it, it didn't feel like a positive experience at the end of it. And if I was looking at something like Cheese Wizards Now without answers to some of those questions and it didn't come from a reputable entity, then I think I, would, I wouldn't even be talking about it. I'd just discount it as a, okay, I'll, I'll look at that again if there's anything material there or if people actually do think of it. Well, well, on that on that downer note, <laughs> when it didn't already... <laughs> that was supposed that was supposed to be positive. I don't know how that didn't come no, out. No, no, but, but it is, uh, it's a good point. I, mean, I do kind of think the, um, I think you know, this time last year there was a, obviously a, a less mature industry, and I think an industry that kind of just thought that um, any old blockchain games that we want to make because we're enthusiastic about it and we're making them is going to going to be successful. And clearly, that isn't the case. So people have had to, in a sense. Um, think a bit more seriously about how how these things can make money and look at actually you know because it was such a small industry in terms of the amount of people involved it's pretty much the industry making games for itself um at the moment um so so i guess those kind of more um overt monetization mechanics this is you know <laughs> they've been proven to work and, and and unless the industry gets a lot bigger um uh then, then either the, yeah either the industry getting bigger or there being more depth to the games and i mean i'm talking about this mostly from a personal perspective because this is definitely sort of my approach to it instead of making more things in the hope that people will will come just make things that are bigger and more interesting because if, if there's things that people can have a, a more long-term attachment to that aren't just about the fact that you can buy and sell NFTs and maybe make some money, but actually have interesting systems underlying them, then you will get people converting into that in the same way that you do any other uh, new form of consumable media. Um, not everybody set, sets out to listen to the next genre or style of music or next band they haven't heard. They're not looking for that until they find it. And then when they find it, it's like, oh, okay, maybe this is quite cool. And then they start doing it. Um, so I think that's more likely the direction that we'll go in. Um, bigger, more interesting projects, plus maybe some stuff from mainstream games that starts to spill over. But I think we're a long way from that being significant. Mm. Well, at least that's a bit more positive to end on, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I, I think I think as we, as we kind of st- kind of started out without banging on about blankets again, I think those kind of things are coming. Are just by the definition, they are. There's not three people in the garage making a game. That's you know tw- yeah. twenty people and a couple of million dollars. So it takes them a year, you know. So exactly. So there is a reason they're not here yet. Good. Well, thank you very much for your time. A pleasure as ever. Uh, talking to you and getting your 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 views on uh, what's going on. No problem. And um, obviously, uh, our uh, our door is always open when it, when it comes time for you to talk more specifically about what uh, you've been up to. Maybe I, in six I months' time. That. I will remember <laughs> that. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Gareth. Uh, so uh, thanks, uh, listeners, for listening. Obviously, uh, if you have any comments, that would be great. You can find me on Twitter at uh, uh, blockchaingmg. I'll put uh, Gareth. What's your what's your Twitter handle? Gareth Jenkins. It's just my name. That's easy. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, but uh, yeah, if you have any comments, uh, please uh, do let us know. Um, and obviously, uh, great if you can subscribe uh, via your podcast provider. But thanks for listening to this one. Uh, come back next week uh, to find out what's been going on in the world of blockchain games.